Welcome to day two of our Holy Week devotional as we are journeying with Jesus towards Good Friday and on to the glory, the wonder, and the hope of the resurrection. I trust that these devotionals have been and will be a great source of strength to you and will encourage you in following the way of Jesus. That's our hope as a church and that's my passion and desire as well. I want to spend today looking at another passage in John 12, uh, verses 20 to 36. And um, I have titled this devotional, The Hour Has Come. And so to start, I just want to read the verses and then uh, we'll unpack them for a few minutes. Now, among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. So these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. And Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Now is my soul troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? But for this purpose, I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd that stood there and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said, An angel has spoken to him. And Jesus answered, This voice has come for your sake, not mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. So the crowd answered him, We have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? So Jesus said to them, The light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of light. Amen. Father, we thank you for these words. We thank you for your word, Jesus. We thank you that you are the word of life. And right now, Jesus, I ask in these next few minutes that you would open up our eyes and our hearts to see with greater wonder to untold depths the incredible glory that is in you and in your Father and what this week represents for us as your followers. Jesus, we thank you and we praise you. Amen. So between verses 19 and 20 here, a couple days had actually elapsed. And Jesus was teaching in the synagogue during this time. And these Greeks came to Philip. Now, Philip is the only disciple with a Greek name. So perhaps that's why they approached Philip. They had some... They thought they, they kind of had some common ground with him. 
But whatever the case, it seems that these Greeks who came and wanted to speak to Jesus and see him, they were curious about Jesus. There, there was a certain level of fame now that was surrounding Jesus. Certainly since the raising of Lazarus from the dead, there had been, we know there had been groups of people that had started to follow him. And so word was spreading about this teacher, this rabbi, uh, and who was calling himself the son of man. That, that had been something that Jesus had been applying to himself for a while. And so they came desiring an audience with him. And, and you know, it's interesting when you, when you think about this and you uh, apply it to us in our culture of visibility and in our culture of celebrity that we live in now and our culture of technology and how everyone wants their 30 seconds of fame or their two minutes of fame or whatever it is. And Jesus, he, he doesn't actually in a sense, have any time for this. And we'll get into that. But he he actually confronts us here with, it's great if you want to be interested in me. And if you, you know, if, if you want to inquire about me and you want to sort of see what I'm all about, but he sort of lays down the gauntlet of, in these verses of, this is who I am. And so this is the catalyst, so to speak, for Jesus to speak directly to, to what awaits him. And, and it also reveals the struggle that he was experiencing. And so he says in these verses, he says, my time has come. And he says, for the son of man to be glorified. Now, we're not, I want to just unpack this, why Jesus constantly refers to himself as the son of man throughout the gospels. And it's a title taken by Jesus from Daniel in the Old Testament. And when you read it in Daniel 7, uh, verse 13, it says there that there's one that came like a son of man, and he came before the ancient of days. He came before God, before Yahweh. And it says, to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom. And then it says that all peoples and nations should serve him. And this dominion will be an everlasting dominion. And so, Jesus sees and, and applies this to himself, which the, the Jewish people, the, the people of God, they knew what this meant. They understood when Jesus was taking this term, what he was applying to himself. And Jesus is saying that, that I am, I am this anointed one. I am, I am the Christ. I am the Messiah who is going to rule a new kingdom. Now the Jews, they 100% believed this, but they did not believe in a Messiah that was going to be killed. And in fact, they said that this, that this Christ coming, this anointed one will remain forever. So they understood that, but they had no room that this would include an actual physical death of this, of this Messiah. And so Jesus though, when he speaks of being glorified for Jesus, this was accomplished in death. And he says there in, um, in verse, verse 24, he said that this death will bear much fruit. Now, I also want to note here, before we unpack a little bit more of this, that it says Jesus, he says himself that he was troubled. And the Greek there means that he was in great distress, that he was disturbed. Jesus was now coming to grips with what was coming, what was awaiting him in this week. 
he experienced pain. He experienced emotional distress. He, he didn't walk through this week that we're going to journey through this Holy Week disconnected from his pain. He didn't disconnect himself emotionally or in any way from what was coming. He faced it and he felt it. And for me, there's, there's such hope in that, that Jesus knows what it's like in life to struggle. He knows what it's like to have pain. And so Jesus says, he recognizes this, and then he says, what, what shall I say? What, what should I do? Should I pull the escape hatch? Should I, should I ask my father to deliver me? Should I appeal to him for another way? Similar to what Jesus battled the, the night before he was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he says, no, no, for, for this purpose I have come. He says, Father, I have come to glorify your name. I have come to bring fame and attention to you. And so in that moment, God the Father, in a very supernatural way, he affirms and authenticates the claim. And there's this voice from heaven that comes and says that I have glorified my name and I will glorify it again. And it says the crowd heard it. Like You ever think, what, what was that like for those people that were were there, it, it, they said that the voice that they heard it thundered, and Jesus says this this voice after he says it's not not for my sake. He he knew who he was. He knew what he was doing. He knew precisely who he was in himself. That he was the Son of Man, the Messiah. But he said this is for your sake, and and then he says what what I am doing, what I will do, will deal with the ruler of this world. It's incredible hope. He says, Satan, the, the great tormentor, the great thief, the great liar, the great deceiver, he is going to be, his power is going to be done with. It's going to be broken. He will not have a hold on this world anymore. It will be ultimately defeated. And it reminds me of, of where in Colossians 2.15, it talks of how Jesus came and he disarmed the rulers and the authorities of this world. And he put them to shame. And then Jesus says, when I am lifted up from the earth, in verse 32, he says, I will be lifted up and I will draw all people to myself. And he's, he's speaking there. He, says, I, I, he said he was showing how he would, he would die by crucifixion. And we can tell in, in the way that the crowd reacts that they, they weren't happy with what Jesus was saying. This, this did not fit their view, their paradigm of the Messiah at all. But Jesus, he had spoken of this before. This wasn't new. This Maybe for some it was, but for Jesus, this was following a familiar, constant claim that he was making. It refers us back to John 3.15 where he, he talks there about the Son of Man will be lifted up. And actually it says that he's... He refers back to Moses and, and in Numbers 21 verses 6 to 9 where there's the story of fiery serpents coming in amongst God's people and for the disobedience they had shown in speaking against the, the leaders and many of them died and so they they actually appealed to Moses for God's mercy and Jesus, or sorry, the Lord, Yahweh, he actually told Moses to raise up the serpent on a pole. And, and whenever anyone was bit, they could look upon the serpent and be saved. It was the mercy of God. And Jesus applies that 
to himself. And he says, in the same way, the Son of Man will be lifted up. And whoever looks to him, whoever believes, will be saved. And what's interesting, if if you're following, is what follows in John 3 is the famous verse, John 3.16, which so many people know. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him, whoever looks upon him, whoever trusts in him, will not perish, but have eternal life, will have resurrection life, will share in the life that Christ has in himself. And it speaks there about how, going on in John 3, about how the light has come into the world and how we're called to walk in the light, walk with the light, believe in the light. John really likes this light metaphor a lot in his gospel. And here in John 12, Jesus again draws back to this whole metaphor of the light and him being the light and being walking in the light. And then he says that you may become sons of light. Now, Jesus was was coming to grips with what was beginning. He, after he said this, it says that he departed and he hid himself from them. Jesus, he, he's recognizing my hour has come and, and this is this is hard, and this is going to get increasingly difficult. And it says that those that were there, those who had heard him, that they they still did not believe in him, even though they had seen so much of what he had done and, and had been actually, had been participants and had, had seen it, been visually had seen what Jesus had done with their own eyes. They, they did not believe in him. They did not look to Jesus as their Messiah. So what do we, what do we take from this? And I think we, really for us, the application is in verse 20, 24 and 25 and 26. And Jesus says there in verse 24, he says, truly, truly. And that, that for us, that's a, that's a, a light that basically a, an awareness of pay attention. This is, Jesus is saying, this is, Really, really important what I'm going to say here. And he says to us, the implications are, don't love your life. You'll lose it. But don't just come to Jesus and be curious about him, like the Greeks, and want to find out more about him. No, this is, this is about something much deeper. Rather, he says, hate your life. Now, he's saying, hate your life in comparison to the love and the affection and the desire that you have for Jesus and to be with him. In comparison to that desire, you, it'll be your life. You'll, you'll actually hate your life in comparison to that. And he says, if, you, if we do this, if you do this, you'll gain eternal life. We're to serve Jesus. We're to follow him. And if we serve Jesus, the promises, he says, my father will honor those who do that. And so the question is, will you follow Jesus? Not not just for this week, but for the rest of your days, for the rest of your life. Will you see that these are the very words of life, that this is God himself in the flesh speaking to us, saying, follow me. I know it's difficult. I walked through it, but I am the one. 
I am the one, the light that has come into the world. And so may we walk in the way of Jesus today and this week and going forth, embracing suffering that we may share in his glory as Paul writes in Romans 8 and walk as sons and daughters of our Father in heaven. Be blessed and I pray that this would enrich you as you follow the way of Jesus.